David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blind guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and in whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it was a big day for Sonny Carter, age seven, in Norfolk, England, because he was about to use his Christmas present. He had won the metal detector, and now it was time to try it out. And so Sonny and his brother, who was nine years old, and his parents went out into a field to hopefully find some buried treasure. And it didn't take long, because as Sonny was walking along, he heard the beat of his metal detector and realized and hoped, I found hidden treasure. And so as they unearthed whatever it was below the surface of the soil, they discovered not treasure, but a bomb. A small 11 and a half bomb. It was a tracer they would send before the big bombs. And there it was from 1941, undetonated. Needless to say, the father, thinking quickly, realized what it was and set the bomb down and called the bomb squad and came away, came and picked it up and took it to a safe place. Sonny got a lot more than he bargained for that day. You know, the reason I tell that story is because in some ways that story hits a lot closer to home than we think. I want to talk a little bit about sin today. It's kind of an unfashionable statement to talk about sin, isn't it? Especially from the pulpit. But sin is a reality in our lives. In many ways, sin is like these buried bombs just beneath the surface of our lives that we like to hide. But every now and then, someone comes along and lo and behold, discovers it and points it out. And the question is, what do we do with it? That was the question for David, wasn't it? In this psalm, this great man who had committed this great sin and tried to bury it and hide it away. But God would not let that, let that occur. And so he sent the, Nathan, uh, the prophet Nathan to come and expose this bomb. And David was confronted with the question, what do I do with this unexploded ordinance? Where do I take it so it does not swallow me whole and leave a crater in my place? 
then to take this sin and to take it to God. To bring it to God, the only one who has the power to diffuse the sin in our lives. And finally, we see from David that we should rejoice in the freedom of God who takes sin and casts it away to the far side of the sea. So since God loves us and is quick to forgive, let us run to Him, not in fear, but in faith. Let's break down what I've been talking about. The first is, what do we do with unexploded ornaments? We acknowledge it. We dig it up. What's David's problem? Well, we all know about Bathsheba, don't we? There was, uh, the Israelites were off in battle, and David was hanging around when he should have been gone, and he sees this beautiful woman, and he decides that I'm going to take her and make it mine. And lo and behold, Bathsheba lies with him, and she becomes pregnant. And the problem widens. What does David do? How am I going to deal with this problem? He sends for Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, and says, Come, and be uh, a part of the festivities with me. And he, they drink, and he gets drunk, and go lie with your wife. But Uriah refuses to, because it's in the midst of the battle, and he will not dishonor his comrades. And when David realizes that he can't fix the situation that way, he tells the other army commander to put Uriah in the front lines and then to pull back and let Uriah be killed. And this is exactly what happens. And he takes Bathsheba and his wife, as his wife. And David starts playing the game in his head, outweighing the good and the bad, burying the bomb, moving along like nothing ever happened. But along comes Nathan to say, oh, we know what happened, didn't we? And David does something that is very perplexing that I've never seen anybody do. He pens a song and he delivers it to the choir master, a song of his sin to be proclaimed publicly throughout the kingdom. How different from the leaders of our age, how different from ourselves. We like to bury our sin and hide it and keep it in the dark. But David is the exact opposite. He brings it forth for all to see, memorialized in song. What does David know that we don't know? Look at Psalm 51, 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. See, David has been confronted with his sins, and he realizes, I know my transgression, and against you, only you have I sinned. Now I'm scratching my head there because I'm saying, what about Uriah? What about Bathsheba? What about them? But David understands that at the heart of hearts, all sin is against God. Against you and only you have I sinned, for I have broken your laws. I have broken the law of how you want me to be and to act. I have done evil in your sight. You have seen what I have done in the darkness, so that you may be justified in your judgment and blameless in your words. David says, you're right. I have no leg to stand on. The bomb is pulled forth for all to see. But David goes even further, not just talking about the things that he's done, but the person that he is. Verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, my life is covered with bombs. It's not just the 
sin that I do. It's who I am. I'm broken from the beginning. I can't help it. I just keep on doing these things. Jealousy and hatred and strife and covetousness and selfishness and all of these things that are a part of who I am. God, I am broken. In our world, we talk about people as blank slates. What's the problem with humanity? Well, it's upbringing, isn't it? It's nurture. If we only had the right education system, and if only people did the right thing, everybody would turn out fine. But the Bible says quite clearly that's not true, and David understands that as well. The reason that we sin is because we are sinners. Brought forth in iniquity. We simply are acting out our nature. And so what does David say in verse 14? Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. See, as the bomb is brought forth, he experiences the weight of his sin, and it's crushing him. The guilt of the blood that he's taken and shed for this woman, how he has sinned against others, it's crushing him, it's weighing him down. We try to hide away our guilt from sin, but sooner or later it comes back. And it weighs us down. David has sinned against others. He's sinned against God. And he's sinned against himself. And his sin has come back to haunt him. Many of you know the story of Lance Armstrong. Another hero that's fallen from grace. Lance has a great story. You'll remember he was a great tour rider who came down with cancer. Testicular cancer that had spread to his brain and other areas of his body. And miraculously through chemo treatment... He managed to emerge and ride again. And won seven Tour de France's. And un, uh, no one had ever done that before. And further, he started a cancer foundation that raised hundreds of million dollars to live strong organization. But all along his career, there were allegations that Lance was not playing according to the rules, that he was skirting, that he was doping, that he had managed to escape the USADA. Indeed, he was so... Vicious that when someone would come after him, he would come after them with all guns blaring. Allegations that he vehemently denied, but alas, the truth came back to haunt him. As the UADA doping agency built a case that was so airtight, he finally admitted that yes, he had been doping all this time and was stripped of all of his medals. Another hero fallen from grace. See, Lance Armstrong was a liar. But the biggest lie that he gave was the lie to himself. Look at all the good that I'm doing. Look at this little bad thing. Everybody's doing it. We're going to play the game strong, weak. It makes sense to keep doing what I'm doing. But David understood the problem with sin is him. And we, my friends, must understand the same thing, that we play the same games. But in the reality, we're in the same boat as David. Our landscape of our life is littered with bombs. And so, like David, the first step to freedom is this, that we must acknowledge that we're sinners. Born in sin, just like David. This is a hard thing for many of us to do. Me, a sinner? But we must remember that it's by God's scale that we're judged, not by everybody else's scale. And so we must be honest with ourselves and with God. We must also get Nathans into our life. Let me ask you, who do you surround yourself with? Friends who love you enough to tell you the truth? Or people who are 
constantly to build you up. We must be honest with ourselves. We must acknowledge our sin. We must have people in our life who can speak the truth to us, and we must mourn. We must mourn for the hatred we've had against others, for the selfishness, for all of the things we've done that hurt people, and most of all, hurt God. Because it's only when we acknowledge sin and we dig it up that something can be done with it. And what do we do with the sin? This brings me to my second point. We bring it to God. See, there's only one that can handle sin, and it isn't us. And so David decides to take his sin and bend it all on grace. He asks to God, save me from my consequences. Look at 51.9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, of my salvation. <laughs> Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. He's not asking for justice. He's asking for mercy. Thank you so much. And why? Because of God's steadfast love. Because you are a covenant God. One who's willing to say, even amidst your sins, I will love you. And I will come to you and I will be faithful to you, even though you've been faithless to me. God, cast me not away from your presence. So he prays for the protection from the outside in, but he also prays for cleansing from the inside out. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop was a, a flower that had uh, cleaning properties. So it was used as a detergent back in the old days. There wasn't soap. They used hyssop. And what David is saying is apply hyssop to my heart. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me purer than snow. Clean my heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, what David is saying is I have to sin. It's ever before me, but I can't deal with it. So can you take it and get rid of it for me? Some of you may know, probably not, the story of John Robert Osborne. John was a sergeant major in the 1st Battalion of the Winnipeg Grenadiers, the Canadian Army. And they also participated in World War I. And John was uh, ordered with his team of soldiers to take a certain mountain in Hong Kong called Mount Butler. And it was the cost of great life because they were going up the hill and they literally had to take uh, the mountain at Bayonet Point. And as they were on top of the mountain, protected, but still the, the troops were advancing and reinforcements were late in coming. And so Osborne with some of it was with some of his men, and when uh, uh, they were in within grenade distance, they threw several grenades into the embankment where they were. Osborne was quick, and he got the first two. But when the third came along and he saw it, he realized he wouldn't be able to get to it in time. And so Osborne yelled out a warning and promptly jumped onto the grenade, hoping to stop the grenade with his body, which he did, and saved the lives of his men. Though, of course, he died. Osborne was given the Victoria Cross, the highest and most prestigious award for gallantry in the face of the enemy. Osborne knew that there was this bond that needed to be taken care of, and so he laid on it that his people, his friends, his soldiers might live. See, bombs can't be diffused. They have to be detonated. 
story of the gospel is the story of John Robert Osborne. That as we can take our sin to God just like David did, and God in the person of Jesus Christ who has come down says, I will take your sin. I will take it, but I won't diffuse it. I'll detonate it, but I will lie over it on the cross that I might sacrifice my life for your sin, that you might be white as snow. See, the picture of Jesus Christ is the one who takes the grenade of our sin and gives us life, who dies that we might live, who takes our sin that we might be free. Jesus takes the bomb of sin and instead he gives us righteousness. He gives us hope and he gives us love. Who are you relying on for the sin in your life? Where do you go with these things that you and I have done with these unclean hands? Well, maybe we're playing the seesaw battle. Just keep doing good works. You know, I come to church on Sunday, throw some money in the offering plate. Surely that outweighs these little things that are hidden beneath the soil. But the scriptures say no. That the bombs are alive and they are ticking and that one day they will go off. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. But Christ comes along and says this, that God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But Christ does not detonate all ordinance, only those who come on their knees bringing it and saying, I for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. The truth of the matter is if we come to Christ with our sin, the sin that we have committed in the past, and even the sin that we will commit in the future, God's death is big enough for all of it to free us of our sin and to leave us with peace and joy. See, the weight of our sin, my friends, drags us down. But the weight of His forgiveness lifts us up. Have you given him the weight of your sin? Those nagging things that we try to bury? Or do you bring it to God and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. Can you take care of it? And the great thing about Jesus Christ is he not only falls on the bomb, but because he is God, he rises again. Unlike John Osborne, who went to his death, Jesus Christ was resurrected and rose again and was granted the honor above all honors. Seated at the right hand of God, that at the knee, at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess, whether in shame or in happiness, for who he is and what he's done. The beauty of this picture of the gospel of Christ, the one who takes our sin and detonates this, is what it does to our hearts. See, David, after taking this sin to God, what does he do? He rejoices. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Open my mouth, Lord, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness and my mouth will declare your praise. Praise is the response of a heart that's been set free. David does not cover up his sin and neither should we. But rather, he gives it to God and experiences the thankfulness of and he revels in the joy and the love of God. He no longer carries the weight of his sin. Indeed, he carries the love of a Savior. And he bathes in it 
and he clings to it, and he celebrates it. He receives the bad, and he's clean, and God loves him. See, David, at the end of the day, knew this, and so we must as well, that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what other people think. What matters is what God thinks of us, for his opinion is the only one that matters. He is the only one that can take our sin and, in its place, give us joy and freedom. So how is your heart? Is it burdened and weighed down by the sins of the world, the sins of ourselves that we continue to try to bury but seem to always keep resurfacing? If you are a Christian, Christ says to you, give me all that you have that is bad, and I will give you all of me that is good. We have someone that has taken our sin, so we don't need to hold on to it any longer. We mourn for our sin, and we confess it, but we give it to God, and we accept His freedom and His forgiveness. If you are not a Christian, the beauty of the gospel is Christ waits right now. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So my friends, my encouragement and my challenge for you today is this. Come to Christ not with fear, but with faith. Come to the cross expectantly. Make the cross and His love for you the most precious thing that you own. Think on Him. Remember His gift. And then celebrate in Him. And revel in Him as people whose hearts have been set free. Because since God loves us and is quick to forgive, we can run to Him not in fear, but in faith. And enjoy the love of a Savior who came and set us free. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for having you willing to come and take our sin and carry it to the cross. Not to diffuse it, Lord, but to detonate it so that it might be gone. We thank you for your power and your bravery. Lord, that you are able to take these things and bury them and yet rise again. For you are stronger than death, stronger than sin, and indeed you have been raised to the highest place. Lord, we want to revel in the salvation that we have. Help us not to focus on our sin, but help us to focus on you. Help us not to run you in fear, but run in faith. And help us to proclaim your righteousness to a world that is desperately looking for some place to take 